it's funny because all this career, everything that I've had, you know, no matter how big I can dream, so much has happened that I never even would have imagined would have happened. But when you trust that it's just things are just magically going to happen, not magically, but obviously through hard work and everything, you just find out that what life has to offer you is so much bigger than anything you could have anticipated if you just kind of let it go. Welcome to another episode of the Do Me A Favor podcast, where I ask questions to people who are out there building in the world. My guests do me a favor by putting me and the audience on to some real applicable game. I'm Ben, and on this week's episode, we have Ariane Tonka. Ariane is an entrepreneur, digital marketing consultant, influencer, marketing expert, and keynote speaker in the lifestyle, sports, and entertainment industry. She launched her social media marketing agency in 2012, as well as an influencer marketing platform in 2017. Over the last 10 years, she's built and grown two six-figure businesses and helped countless other businesses create a voice of their own in the digital space. Ariane was amazing, and in this episode, we talk about a lot of things, um, most notably how she was truly at the forefront of social media marketing, how much she's benefited, believe it or not, from taking time away from her phone to be with her thoughts and how content creation really is all about uh, creating value. This was a lot of fun and as someone who's social media, a bit more social media averse, uh, averse, I believe that's right, yes. There's a ton of knowledge that she imparted uh, given her expertise that I know I'll take with me in terms of, you know, really using the medium for good and, you know, getting the most out of, out of the platform. I hope you guys get the most out of this. I know I did, and I hope you do yourselves a favor and enjoy. Cheers. Great, Ariel, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy. My second U.S. podcast I get to participate to. Wow, feel so feel so honored. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we were talking before the show, but. As I kind of mentioned, uh, a lot of the first ones of the Do Me Favor podcast have been kind of within my network. So I'm excited to hear a lot more about your story, kind of how you got started, um, get a kind of a fresh perspective because um, the others I obviously had a little more going into it. So excited to get going. If you're ready to, to jump into it. Let's do it. Cool. So as I just mentioned, I'd love to hear a little more background on your career. Um, pretty much like what you did prior to starting Overground and kind of what, I guess, was the beginnings of it. Why'd you, why'd you get into it? Yeah, totally. It it is kind of interesting story because I was not an entrepreneurial person. I did not have entrepreneurs in my family. It wasn't something in my head. I was to go to school, go to business school, get a really cool advertising job and just like feel really good about myself and, and, go on with my life but um but that's not how it went and even when I was in university I didn't even care for entrepreneurship courses I really didn't think that's where I was gonna head Mm -hmm. um so what's interesting is basically I studied uh cinema and communications and then afterwards I went into business school uh into marketing and I really wanted to work in an advertising agency like in my head marketing meant advertising but then when I graduated I realized marketing could be anything. You could just be filling out Excel sheets. And it was really, really hard for me to get a job in advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're in a completely different world where, you know, they're looking for people like crazy. Um, the, the, I think the, the employees really have the power 
10 years ago, like I'm 33, that's not how it was at all. It was still a very mad men energy and advertising mm -hmm. agencies. The artistic directors were the ones who got to be creative. Everybody else was just bringing coffee and being a coordinator and whatnot. So um, I had such a hard time finding a job that I would have all these other little jobs that were always kind of like PR related. So mm -hmm. I used to be a, a monster energy girl not like a model, but I would drive the big truck around town and give people cans and stuff, which was the best job I've ever had looking back that I should have appreciated more mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of that, like uh, it, there would be like the Rogers Cup in Montreal and then I would be like representing some kind of bank. So a lot of like marketing related jobs that were very social. It's funny because at the time they called those brand ambassador, which is now what you called on social media instagram yeah yeah but yeah. back then it just meant to pretend you were working for a brand for a day and slap on a budweiser outfit and be like i'm that's what i represent today yeah. um so so that's what i was doing and i ended up being so desperate to get a job in advertising that i would like show up physically at every i asked my dad to drive me around and i would like just drop off my resume in person because no one was getting back to me online like at all Mm -hmm. and um and they were like no 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 that's not how it works and eventually one of them took my resume it was a big agency in montreal and i was happy and at the time i was working at this uh bar in montreal called tokyo bar which is a pretty known hot spot at the time but it was mm -hmm. a good way for me to you know um make money while i was trying to find a job so basically i get this job in advertising and i'm like later suckers like i don't need this tokyo job anymore i don't need this bar job Fast forward one month, I realized you make no money working at an agency in comparison to working in a bar. Mm -hmm. So I started working at the bar again. And I was just at this agency, like I was a coordinator. I didn't do anything I was excited about. I was so unhappy. Mm -hmm. I, I was just like, oh my God, I've always had these fun jobs, like the monster thing, the this, the that. And then this is my career job. And I'm so miserable. And at the time I'm 21. And so I go back to working at the bar. And uh, we, we had this one night, like the Sunday night, that was our big hip hop night, but people don't necessarily know that you're open, right? So mm -hmm. I asked the owner if I could start doing social media marketing, well, use, do an Instagram for the bar. So yeah. fast forward, this is kind of how it all started. Which um, was 20, 2012, 2011? Yeah, so. I guess so. About 12 years ago now. So like a, be a beginning, beginning of Instagram. Yeah. So not all companies were doing that. That, that was kind of no. like a, a novel. No. And it wasn't idea. like, you know, the, the owner wasn't like, oh, you're going to be the voice of my brand. No, he was like, he's like, are you good? You think you get people in there, do whatever, you know? And, and I had a lot of fun doing it because I wouldn't tell anybody it was me, but then I would like comment on their stuff. And then I would like post during the night and then they were trying to figure it out. So, so it, it kind of got around that I was doing that. And then other restaurant bars and stuff, we're like, oh, can you do it for us? You know, and I don't know if you remember, like back in the, the nightlife industry used to be a lot of flyers and flyer boys. And mm -hmm. and then it, that kind of I don't know about in D.C., but in Montreal, that became illegal at one point. You couldn't litter. Mm -hmm. um, so social media kind of became the, the new way of promoting your, your yeah. parties and, and all this. So by creating a personality for the bar, you were like taking it one step. It wasn't just the promoters, like the bar itself was promoting itself and building a following, which is great as well, because you're then you're not depending on the cool DJs, this and that, you just kind of like create your own vibe. So yeah. I started doing it for that bar and then other people were asking me to do it. So at 22, 
um, with my partner, we took a leap of faith and we decided to start a social media marketing company. Um, At the time in Montreal, we were the first social media only agency. It, it, It wasn't like a thing. So it was a lot, a lot of educational process uh, in the beginning. I would legit like have meetings. So at the time, it just kind of started working really well. I got a lot of restaurants, a lot of nightlife. But at the time, it was the marketing for people who had no marketing budget. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it was funny because I had to fight people for $500. And I'm like, you're willing to invest one bottle on your marketing? You know, like you, know, yeah, yeah. you sell one bottle, you paid for my service for a month. That's crazy. Yeah. But, at the time, it kind of was what it was. And, and it was so, I mean, I think it was really bootstrapping. And it's funny, I would have these meetings with these like older business owners where I would like, be like, this is a newspaper, this is social media. Uh, <laughs> the difference is that the newspaper, everybody sees the same newspaper. This is Facebook. You don't see the same thing that your friend sees. And I was like, trying to explain it and this, that. But it really worked out and we built people's trust and uh, fast forward, we started working with uh, some of the biggest brands across North America, like Under Armour, a lot of big food chains in Quebec, like Thai Express mm-hmm. um, in, in Canada, excuse me. And, uh, and yeah, it, it was a, a really, really fun uh, process, not only because um, I had the opportunity, you know, to own a business and do kind of everything I wanted, but it was very empowering because I would educate these people on like how to approach social then there's another part where, um, you know, through the years, I built a staff of like 15 people. And most of mm-hmm. them were people who, you know, like me, were not able to get jobs in advertising because they didn't have an aunt or an uncle who worked there. So they were working in telemarketing. They were working customer service. But I would see them on social media. And I, I was like, I see that you, what you could do. And mm-hmm. now most of them are having really amazing, thriving jobs at big, big companies doing social media content. So yeah. it, it really worked out and you get to do video, you get, it, it just got to a point where it's like, wow, I could really do whatever I want. And it's for my own company. And yeah. if I want to make commercials, which I did make commercials for my brand at one point, it was really any idea I wanted to make, bring to life. I either sold it to a client or did it for myself. Yeah. Um, and so I was doing social media marketing. So my agency was called Overground. And then fast forward 2017, um, we start realizing, okay, we're building these really cool pages for these brands. It's going really well. You know, now at, the, at that point, ads have come in. So there's a lot of e-commerce. It's becoming mm-hmm. a lot more complicated. It's no more, how do we say, the, the poor people's marketing. Like it's, it's become, you need a whole team. It's not a one person's show. You need someone, an ad specialist, a content specialist, a good community manager. In Quebec, you also need people who can do all that in two languages. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a lot more work. Narrows the pool a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. So, um, so it's becoming a bigger and bigger business. Obviously, uh, you, you charge more. We have to let go of some smaller clients that could no longer kind of follow. Um, Mm -hmm. But then we start realizing, okay, like, how can we make this even better? And at the time, the word influencer wasn't really a word that we used, but we would, we started sending products to people who had big following and kind of seeing if they were going to create or talk about us and tag us. And then Mm -hmm. we're seeing that, yes. And then through talking a lot to public figures in Quebec, either people had like famous actors or people had been on reality TV where they're they were saying they were getting approached by brands, but they always felt like they were getting scammed. And then the brands didn't believe in influencers because they're like, they're all fake. So they, they definitely needed to be a middle uh, man to like adjust and keep everybody happy yeah. that could educate the client 
and educate the influencer so that we can meet halfway somewhere that works. So that's when we created 66 Agency, uh, which is an online platform uh, where we have over 4,000 influencers now, mostly from North America. Mm -hmm. um, and then brands will come up to us to come up with a strategy and execute campaigns with these influencers um, across North America. So I had these two companies for 10 years. And then in July of this year now, 2021, 2021 before, yeah, see. Um, so my business partner and I, after chatting, decided, okay, you know, we're not happy anymore being in an office, running, managing all these people. We mm -hmm. want to have more flexibility. So we decided to uh, switch towards consulting services. So now we are still running influencer campaigns and uh, we offer consulting services, ads management strategy to clients now all around from wherever we want to be. So that's kind of where I'm at at this point. So it's, it's a lot, but. <laughs> that's, a, that's an amazing recap. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of, it's like a long time, but it's really not that long. Like when you talk about the beginnings of like, you know, beginnings of Instagram and like flyers and stuff, like that seems ridiculous now, but it, it really wasn't that long ago. It really wasn't that long ago. And, yeah. and it's funny because even with my business partner, sometimes like we'll randomly fall into like an old email or like a crazy client that we had. And we're like, can you believe like we dealt with that? And that's not that long ago that we had mm -hmm. this patience, you know, definitely like the business exploded during COVID. Like we went from having like two months that we were kind of freaking out. We didn't know if we'd have to let the staff go, what was going to happen because a lot of our clients were restaurants. So obviously they were the ones struggling the most. Um, but then we landed Under Armour as a client, like all these other businesses who were working with agencies who weren't able to turn things around as quickly as a small agency like mine mm -hmm. um, ended up, it, it really, it really aligns. So really our business completely changed within those last uh, three years. So that was interesting, but it also became a lot more high stress and maybe a direction that we were like, oh, this isn't really the way we liked it in the beginning where it was more hands-on and kind of just for fun, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but, but yeah, no, it, it's been 10 years sounds like a long time, but if you think of like, we were just doing it for a few local bars to mm -hmm. doing social media for massive brands, working with HelloFresh, working with Fenty, Apple, like, it's it's insane in such yeah. a, a small amount of time yeah that's awesome well congrats to that um so how much i guess you're talking about like those pivots and kind of the ch change in direction like how much of that do you think was like a need and how much was it like like you said like you weren't happy was it like a personal was it more like you know the industry you saw things changing or more like internal like this isn't i'd say definitely or? a mix of both a mix of both because one thing that i started noticing is again um you know social media used to be like people have their marketing funnel and then social media is at the bottom is like we'll make a graphic on canva boom that's over but now it's kind of the other way around where everything trickles from social media and then they'll it'll kind of go elsewhere and it just became such a bigger part that um you needed bigger departments you need to deploy bigger budgets and companies i don't think are as quick to understand that uh, mm -hmm. so they expect so much either for little budget or the thing is also like social media never sleeps and one thing that I always try especially as a consultant now to educate people is like we got to make complicated easy because if you're mm -hmm. trying to do everything you're going to burn out you're going to burn out your staff so one thing that I started noticing that was happening is that 
a lot of people were pursuing my staff um, and, you know, I understand they would want to try other things and stuff like that, but also my clients kept losing their employees as well. So the, whoever I was speaking to, the marketing director was changing every two days. So when the client's running out of staff, they just give us more work. Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of ended up reaching a point that um, I couldn't have a work-life balance that made sense for my staff because the client's expectations were just crazy. And I think mm-hmm. the agency life is going to have to change because no one wants to work like they did in Mad Men days or, or whatever, yeah. like people do. And even like, I, I worked a lot with other agencies where like people were crying over zoom. And I was like, this is not, you know, like I, I was able to maintain something with my yeah. staff where, you know, but the, the whole putting that stress of people's mental health on your shoulders at, at one point I was like, this is, this isn't fun, but it yeah. came from the industry that made no sense as well. Gotcha. Yeah. We were talking at the top, like yeah. I worked at agency life. Like I, I was somewhat familiar. My experience was not that, but I, I definitely worked with people who were, there were some tears that I witnessed firsthand. Mm-hmm. So, and again, like at the, at, when you're first starting out, like you're not getting paid a lot. It's, it's kind of a, it's a tough business to, to start out. And so definitely can, uh, can relate to that. Um, no, it really, really is. Yeah. And uh, so, so that was definitely part of it, that it became very, very stressful. But then I think in terms of a day-to-day, you know, I started realizing, okay, this was the last 10 years of my life. I don't want the next 10 years of my life to be a, a repeat. Um, mm-hmm. So I started, for what makes me the most happy? Definitely educating people. Um, so that's what I really like about consulting, because I feel like I get to empower people with their business um, to, to blow up. Um, and then I like creating with very passionate people. So when it's not your business, I get to kind of come in and, and freelance, um, and work with all these people that are really good at what they do, instead of me always being the teacher and, you know, the smartest person in the room, which ends up being something that at one point you're like, okay, well, I'm not really learning anymore, you know? So, so I'm really excited about doing that now. Yeah. Getting to learn. Learning is good. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I want to talk about uh, time management. So you mentioned a lot of things that you do. Um, and I think you only mentioned a couple of them, uh, out of like the whole realm. So do you have any, I saw you just launched that that workshop. You have the agency, the influencer marketing, um, the ambassador stuff. Do you have any like best practices on how you manage time? A and B, is there ever a worry of like spreading yourself too thin? Cause I, I think that's for me, especially like kind of identifying sales verticals that's something that's always like top of mind is like I want to try a bunch of different stuff to see what works but at the same time like um I know focus is important so how, how do you kind of approach that um yeah that's a good point well actually so I, I didn't really mention this but you're, you're familiar so when I was building my business I started sharing a lot on Instagram about the behind the scenes without really knowing if it was going to work or not but sharing mm-hmm. a lot So I grew kind of my own following through that as an entrepreneur, which allowed me to become an ambassador with Under Armour, which I've been for now six years, and with NFL Canada. And then amongst that, doing all kinds of separate content creation contract as myself, Ariane, and not for brands, you know. And what I do like about that before I get into your your question is that it's so cool getting to do the marketing for a brand because you, you, you know, you create a persona for them and then you get to do their social. But then what's fun is that when you're doing it from an outsider, you're like, oh, I'm not doing it from the brand's perspective. I'm doing it from my perspective of like, what's interesting to me about 
for instance, your product versus what you would think from the owner of what your sales pitch is versus for me, I'm like, oh, well, this is what I like, that it tastes good and it gives me energy before my workout. Or So you kind of get to, to do it your own version of things, which, which mm -hmm. I thought was really fun. So I really got to have my creative juices flowing. And why I, I get into that is that it's true that in a day, I'll work on like so many different creative projects. Uh, but for me, that's kind of what allows me to, to do it because I don't get bored of one. Yeah. So I always say like creativity fuels creativity. So if let's say, you know, for one of my clients, I'm writing a thousand captions about hummus. At one point, I'm going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and so sometimes I'll take a break and then I'll try to make a TikTok or I'll go outside with my camera and take some photos. And it just kind of allows me to like refuel. So on top of doing the work that I do for a living, I do a lot of creative projects to kind of just make sure that I stay in that realm of creativity. Sure. Um, yeah. And so how I organize my day, I mean, it's so interesting because obviously when I was a business owner, it was like my days worked how, you know, you put two minutes on microwave and you try to do as many things as possible before your food is ready. And that mm -hmm. was how I would wake up every day from like my alarm at 6 a.m. to going to bed. It was like, okay, got it, you know, and, and it was wild, but it kind of worked for me. Um, I've always been really good at incorporating sports into um my my workload which i think for me has always been a game changer like yeah. i always say before a workout every product problem will feel like so huge impossible and then i leave the workout and everything is like whatever it's not a big deal so yeah. it does it does like kind of bring me back um and also i find it it, it really trains my decision making brain where like every decision i have to make in my day I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. So like a client can sound great, but then I'm getting red flags. I think they're not going to be good. Or like, do I negotiate? Do I this, do I that? Versus the only decision I can make in my day that I know for sure is good is going to the gym. And if mm -hmm. I already make that, then I feel like everything from there is easier. You know, it's funny because so people are like, how do you do it? How do you go for a run? I'm like, if you start your day with a run, your day can only get better from there. <laughs> like that's the most awful part, you know, it's just doing the workout and then yeah. you go from there. So incorporating fitness into my workload has always really helped me keeping a head on my shoulder. But then before COVID too, I was going to events every night. It was just like, go, 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 go. Yeah. And it's so funny because now being a consultant and a freelance, I have a lot more flexibility. Um, so I'm in a completely different space where I spend four hours of my day doing self-care and then I work a little bit every day. So I'm in a completely different place. But yeah. for me, um, it really starts as like the essentials that make me feel good. And then I'm able to focus. So I'm somebody, you know, with years of experience that someone will take them 10 hours to do a task. It will take me probably an hour, half an hour, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I got to make sure I'm in the right mindset to function this way. So I usually wake up pretty early. Uh, I meditate for half an hour. Um, then I'll have some coffee. Uh, then I'll look at my emails. I'll journal, go for a run, and then I'll work for a couple of hours. So that's yep. kind of how, how it goes. So in terms of time management, I'm a big fan of to-do lists. I don't keep things in my head. Like I have it in front of me. So I'm able to not, you know, repeat it a million times. I, I have an agenda and I obviously have a Google calendar and I have mm -hmm. my notes app. So I'm very writing things down so they don't overwhelm my brain as a big helper and another thing that was a game changer for me that's more of a recent thing um mm -hmm. 
is I used to have a lot of trouble sleeping because I, I was always thinking about, I was always worried I was forgetting something. Like I would have dreams about Kanye West being my client and forgetting to do the work and he was mad at me. And then I was like, that's not even a real, like why am I stressed about things that aren't even in my life? Because you know yeah. I, mean? um, I was just, a, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's like a flex of a, a worry. Yeah. Right. But I, it's, I mean, right now I would not want to work with, it was so funny. Cause like recently he wrote some crazy <laughs> shit on social media and I was like, Oh, maybe he does need help. <laughs> maybe I should reach out. Yeah. God, um, God bless. God bless him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all this to say, I used to be the kind of person again, that I was always going through a million things in my head and then my emails and then my notes. And then I'd be listening to a podcast, always trying to do 50 things at once. Like mm-hmm. I listen to a podcast when I get in the car it continues I never had a time alone with my brain. Never. Like I was always like, go, 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 go. And um, in October of last year, I went to Mexico, Tulum, and I was going to be there for a month. And the first night I got my purse stolen uh, with my phone, my cards and my keys. Uh, I was lucky because my cards and my keys were retrieved, but the phone, they stole it. I wasn't going to see it ever again. And it was a blessing in disguise because I ended up being 20 days without a phone in Mexico. I had a computer so I could work, but only when I was in my room, Yeah. but I would walk to the beach for half an hour, no music. I would go work out. No, nothing, nothing, just in my brain, you know, and just dealing with it. And I started realizing I was sleeping better. I was just, I overall going through the thoughts instead of escaping them all day just mm-hmm. made me feel that much more present and it was really helpful. So I do, I do try to do that as much as possible now as well to not constantly be doing 20 things at the same time, because mm-hmm. you better focus and finish one thing than always be all over the place. And it's a headache for anyone who needs to deal with you. Even if you're productive, you're driving yeah. everybody crazy. So. Yeah. Cause you, they never have your full attention. Yeah. Have you read, exactly. um, we just read so me and my teammate, we, uh, we do monthly book club. The last oh, cool. book we, we did was uh, deep work. Have you read Cal Newport? No, basically just what you had just said, like, uh, 30 minutes to two hours of like intense work is like all you really need opposed to, you know, four hours of like distracted work. I mean, it's, it's things everyone knows, but like until you actually it's discipline and until oh, you actually, yeah. like, put it to work it's, it's common sense is one thing but once you actually start seeing how good it affects you then you're able to do it. because just something as silly as like the computer not loading for a second and then you look at your phone it mm-hmm. takes you i think a full five minutes before you're like back so if you do that 12 times you last like a whole hour yeah all the time right but yeah. but it's hard and especially in, in this in, like for instance i don't know about you guys but in my agency we would use tools like slack like asana like which are supposed to help us with pro- productivity you're just chatting all day yeah yeah not only that you it's completely distracting like me the minute i get a notification you lost me i get on my phone i get notifications from imdb i'm like i don't know i don't need this you know, yeah. none of this i need but with the staff you, you would notice it, it gives people a lot of anxiety they, it, there's a sense of thinking it's urgent because it's yeah. a direct message. So, so it is a tricky thing. Um, and, and even tools like project management tools, like Asana, like this and that, you realize if it takes the person an hour to update her task that she could be allocating to work, it, it, it's all things we, we got to figure out because it's, it's yeah. a big distraction versus, you know, being really focused on what you're good at and what your focus is 
instead of all those extra tools and whatnot. But I mean, again, it makes sense, but I think it's a good thing to read those books and remind yourself constantly because the minute you apply it and start noticing a difference, then you know that that pattern is the right one, you know? Yeah. What a, what a blessing that must have been mm -hmm. in, in disguise, huh? Oh, the, the no phone, honestly, it really, really was. Uh, and I think I really needed it to really, to really disconnect, but it was interesting. Like the first yeah. few times going for a run, like, oh yeah. So what do you think about, I was like, what do I need? So I was like, I bought a flashlight because <laughs> I was like, that's what I was using my phone for and a map. I couldn't find a map. So, so that was a bit of a challenge, but that, that, would, be, that would be the main thing. I feel like yeah. the map. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know how to read maps for shit. Yeah. No. That, that, that'd be a challenge, especially in a different country. And it, yeah. Imagine. Right. Even with my phone, sometimes I'm like, wait, this is upside down. And it's like doing it for me. And I still, I still can't. Every time I use Waze I feel, and I'm driving, I feel like I'm playing a video game. I'm like, oh no, I lost again. I missed my exit. You know? I can't use Waze is too much for me. My, people <laughs> make fun of me. It's, it's, it's too much. It's very I, I distracting. Just, talk about distracting. Yeah. Like a yeah. thousand little. Yeah. Like you're trying emojis. to drive, you're trying to get somewhere. And then they're like, is there an accident? You're like, what? Do I work here all of a sudden? Like, I'm telling you if there's an accident. Like, yeah, what's it's happening? Too, it's too much. I can't. I can't be putting all this stuff in. I'm just trying no to get somewhere. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, that's um, a big challenge for most people. I think is concentration, especially with the phone. Um, and you try to implement stuff like the screen, screen time, notifications, whatever. Like. Unless you know of it, a better, a more, a more, um, throw it away, <laughs> throw, throw it, in it another, away. put the phone in a different room. Honestly, for me, yeah. that's, that's what it is because I'll so, especially cause I mean, I'm, I'm a big content poster. So I like to see my notifications and this and that. So I, first of all, started telling myself that it's okay to leave people on scene or on red, mm -hmm. um, because I'd rather take my time and answer later. And like that, that idea that you have to be so accessible all the time, constantly, yeah, you can't live your life like that. Like I'm not a big famous influencer, but I do get a lot of messages and you do kind of have to just, that's not what I'm doing right now. I'd always try to redirect people to my email if it's like mm -hmm. serious because my email is super organized. You can't really organize those messages. So that, that idea that you have to respond to people, if, you, if people really want to connect with you, they'll be patient and they'll, they'll wait, you know? Yeah. Um, but for me, it's really putting the phone in a completely different room because even if it's, it's funny because with a girlfriend of mine, we would go to a chalet and we would delete Instagram completely from the phone. Because if I don't delete it, I'll find it. I'm, I'm going to mm -hmm. find a way to find it. And how many times a day you find yourself trying to go on? You're like, what am I doing? I wasn't even, yeah. I wasn't, I was about to check what time it was all of a sudden deep dive into something. So, so for me, the trick is really having the phone away from you, but even the computer closing all the other screens, having no notifications, closing yeah. Slack and whoever, you know, if maybe it's not your own business, like expressing that to your manager and whatnot to, to say, like, that's how I focus. Like it's normal that I'm not going to answer because now with the remote life, people mm -hmm. don't even expect that you go pee. They think you're just waiting at the computer for a message all the time. And people drive themselves crazy trying to prove that they're working, you know? Um, yeah. So I think it's important to have that, that communication because it's impossible to focus when there's too much going on. Yeah. Since you just mentioned that, I have a question about the remote life. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's a lot of positives to it, but I think you just mentioned a negative. I think there's some other ones. Like how, how do you kind of see that in your day to day with um, how, how it's affected? 
I, guess I mean, your, your as a consultant right now, it's completely different, obviously, because I'm I'm just doing my own thing. But mm-hmm. when I was in an office, especially in the beginning, um, at one point in Quebec, we had a curfew at 8 p.m. where you had to be home. And at the time I was my office was across the street from my house, to be fair. So I would still go to, into the office and I was by myself. So it was fine. Yeah. Um, but if it wasn't from the curfew that I had to be home at eight, I would have just kept working all night because there was just so much work and you have nothing else to do. You don't have friends to go see. You don't have. So you kind of like turn into a workaholic your, mm-hmm. yourself. And, and I, I think that's a big challenge that a lot, a lot of people face because it just feels like the to do list is never ending. And you have to, you know, there's not a door, a, a bell that rings like it's lunchtime. And even my staff before remote life. I would leave to go do workouts and I'd say, go for a walk, take a break. You have to, to create that for yourself because you can't come to me after and saying you're overwhelmed and this and that when I never see you take, taking breaks and taking, yeah. not eating at your computer, but I'm not going to tell you stop. You have to be a grown up and create that for yourself. And I think the remote life showed that most people have no idea how to do that, yeah. but also people would be booked in back to back to back meetings. Like I had meetings with my client, uh, BRP. Um, they do like ski do, ski do. Uh, they're they're a pretty uh, big brand out in, in well, all over the world, but they're from Quebec. Mm-hmm. And exactly, you don't even allow yourself a, a, a walk to get a glass of water or anything. It's just like all day on the phone. So I think a lot of people are experiencing uh, burnout from that and just not having a casual, nice conversation. Like I've implemented a lot of like friendly chats into mm-hmm. my life now with friends that we like book it like a zoom, like a, a Google chat to make sure that this is happening. Yeah. Because when you get on a meeting, you're not like, let's chat for 20 minutes. No, everyone's trying to get it over with so they can keep working. So I think yeah. that that that's been a big challenge. And I think for most people I spoke to, um, they wish it was half and half. They, they find they, they, at, at work, there's too much distraction, yeah. but at home, it, you just don't feel like you have a life anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think any, anyone who doesn't want to ever go back to work, doesn't like their job. That's like my take on it. Like, there's no way that you like the community. No. Like, I, I think there, there needs to be a little sum, at least in, in my, my view, for the reasons you yeah. mentioned and and there's so much social life that comes community from, yeah, from the work community. like even for me you know now that i'm i'm a consultant everything is online mm-hmm. again i have to make an effort to connect with people online this way but being out here in los angeles you know i wish i could go into somewhere and meet people because that's when you really get to sell your your pure authentic self without like yep. an instagram sales pitch you know but it's harder in a world where everyone's inside where people are scared of each other like to expand that network and i think i personally and the kind of human being that I see personal growth from meeting new people, from new conversations, from mm-hmm. expanding um, my brain through meeting people. And for that, I think it was really, really hard. And I, again, I would see in my staff, they would complain that we didn't have a, 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 not a community, but like some kind of, and I was like, what do you want me to do? Zoom parties? Like, I, I was like, I, were, were, I said you Starbucks gift cards, I'm trying, but I, I was yeah. like, I don't know how I can make you. And I think a lot of people in their 20s, first of all, they assume their social life after school is going to come uniquely from work, which mm-hmm. is is going to be disappointing, even if you're in an office, you know. So. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 it, that really hit home when you start working remotely. My sister, I think she changed job four times and each time she's like, it's really hard to make friends at work, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've had it both ways for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, you got to adjust. I think the the, uh, moral of the story there. Um, Want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about content creation because that's something that we're trying to always get better at. This is a very general, broad question. But what do you think is the most important thing in content creation? And you don't have to be like, you know, specific game plan or playbook, but like whether it's consistency, authenticity, like if you had to attribute one successful thing to creating content as a company, what would you say it is or as a person? I think it's value. It's, it's giving value. So, cause if you're posting every day, but it's just about you, it's boring or you're, you're, it's just filling out the blanks of you got to post mm-hmm. versus thinking if I was, if I didn't know my own brand and I was scrolling, would I stop? Would I care? Would I share this with somebody? So whether value could be making someone laugh, it could be a good tip. It could be a workout. There's different ways of giving. It could be entertainment. It could be emotional. You know, there's different Mm -hmm. ways of giving value. Um, And I always say, you know, if something's value by if people share it or not, you know? So Mm -hmm. I often say, you know, people will make like a cool aesthetic page, but none of it as a user, would I stop and scroll and want to show this to my mom or my sister or something like that? And I think that you're kind of missing the point. And I, I, I noticed a lot of people, a lot of competing agencies at the time um, would then charge clients that much and they would do these really aesthetic feeds. But I was like, you're better off not doing social than doing social and doing nothing for you. You yeah. know what I mean? So, or, or having a negative effect. Yeah. Or a negative, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. But in terms, you know, consistency, if you're able to do consistency and have give value every time, then amazing, you know, that will bring even more. But I think, think of each individual post in itself and be like, is this good? (laughs) I think, I think that's what it's about. Yeah. Take a step back and look at it. I like that question of asking, would I stop? I mean, it's, it's might be hard to kind of always put yourself in those shoes, but I think that's an important question. I just, it's so, it's so important. Cause what I've noticed too, over working in social media is a lot of my clients were traditional agencies who, you know, we're older, they, they have families, they don't spend that much time on social. And mm-hmm. I think that to be good at social media marketing, you have to be a social user first. And of course me, I'm someone, I love creating content. I love sharing what I'm seeing. It's, it's very um, like, natural for me it makes me so excited to do that so I do it naturally so when I'm doing it from a brand's perspective I'm able to kind of see like as a user would I swipe up would I do this like I understand the customer behavior behind the content and I think that's that's a really big a big thing and I will always tell my staff like they would put together these posts and I was like would you like this if not then what are we doing here <laughs> you know what I mean yeah that's a very, it's a simple question, but it, yeah. it should be yeah. asked. I don't think yeah. a lot of people are asking that. So Yeah, because sometimes you just have your agenda as a brand and you have to understand people, they're on social for, for fun. They're not mm-hmm. there. They, they, they didn't, they don't owe you anything. They don't need to care the way you care about your brand. So mm-hmm. how can you show them you care about them by showing them value? And then maybe they care about you. There you go. Cool. I just wrote down a bunch of notes. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Cool. What was the best part uh, for you running your business? Again, another general question, but my favorite part. um, Well, okay. What I really, really loved is uh, was the educational process and working with clients who really valued my opinion about things and and my take. So again, our, our take was always very educational where it's like, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do for you. 
because I don't want you to come at me at the end of the month and say you're mad and you don't want to work with me anymore because you don't understand what you bought. So mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy that process because once it clicks, you really see it. Um, and then I believe the, the content creation was always really fun, getting to, to collaborate with all types of people. One part that I really, really enjoy is influencer marketing. Why? It's because it's one thing to do the marketing for big brands, have a lot of money, but it's one thing to empower creators that are very, very talented, creative individuals um, to be able to get paid to create. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like uh, if you find the right brand, like for instance, we did a campaign with Jagermeister that they just want to uh, find people that were mice- meisters of their crafts. Um, and it was really empowering to find someone who's, let's say, a great dancer. And it's really hard to make a living as a, as a dancer. But now with advertising, we're able to monetize a cool dancing video that has a Jagger stamp on it, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that was really empowering and fun to, to work with creators. And I had a blast creating my, my own commercials uh, for my brand. Like it was just really fun. And um, I worked with this great producer, director and videographer who like they saw my ideas and then made them better. And that's where I was like, okay, I need a more collaborative environment that I'm not the boss of everyone. I don't decide everything. I want everyone to just be just as passionate about what they do as I am and as excited. So That's amazing. Uh, amazing. Yeah. What was the most challenging part? Uh, the most challenging part, I think, for me is, yeah. I was just going to say, I don't, I don't want to say worse. Yeah, most challenging. No, no challenging, yeah. yeah. Um, I think is that I'm someone that I'm very, uh, I want people around me to be very happy. And I take the burden on myself, if like to everyone's emotions, kind of like, I'll focus on the negative. If you tell me like, everyone's happy about this, they're not happy about that. I'll like, try to figure it out and I think that for me that was a big challenge I think humans people management um you know like we had an operational manager at some point and and I just thought it was it's it's really really hard like that part of it and especially during a pandemic where you could see people are miserable and everyone's having a hard time and I couldn't help but put that burden on on my own Mm -hmm. shoulders of making people happy and I think that's that's really challenging because you're trying to keep your own head up and you know you have your own battery energy uh, energy battery to fill and at one point you can't be like that my partner is really good at distancing himself you know emotionally I'm someone that I want it's really important for me that the people around me to be happy so sometimes it could be it could be hard yeah you got to keep that face on for them right yeah yeah especially during COVID cool well hopefully that's alleviated a bit now oh uh, it's insane how uh well it's funny because when I, when we decided we wanted to let go of our staff, it went really, really well because I found them jobs and we had a really open conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we, we have a really good relationship and it was funny because they stayed for one last month because we had a last month with our clients and some of my staff would be like, Ariane, you look so happy. You look so great. Like, what did you do to your face? And I was like, Oh, I'm just not stressed about (laughs) anymore, you know? And it's interesting because I've hired, um, some of my old staff for freelance, projects and again like working with freelancers who they're their own boss at that point you don't have to worry about them not getting sleep last night or that not everything in their life becomes your problem um it's a complete game changer and also another thing that's been really good for me is that another challenge is that I was the face of my company so I, I I had a really hard time delegating I believe because I felt like everything just represented me Mm-hmm. And now working for more of a behind the scenes and less in front, I'm really able to just trust the people I work with and not have that burden on myself, which, uh, which has been a really good learning curve. Cause now I'm like, 
I, I don't know. Maybe I'll want to start another business. Uh, maybe I'll want to go back to agency life. I'd love to launch my own product. So I'm really interested in what you're doing. Um, yeah. But I, 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 this has all been a really big learning process for me going from that running a business to kind of having a more of a flexible schedule and being happier. Then I'm like, okay, yes. how do I mix both now? Yeah. Did you realize, was it something like once you made the transition that you realized shit, like I was more stressed than I realized? Like, oh, a hundred percent. And my, my business partner was always saying like, you know, we're just doing this for fun. Like whenever I would like to be too stressed or anything yeah. like that. Um, but oh no, a hundred percent. Like I, I really feel so happy and light. And, and I think I was making a lot of things a bigger problem than it actually was. Like, I, mm -hmm. and again, in 10 years in business, it's funny because we went through some crazy shit. Like we've had some, some employees trying to steal from us. We've had uh, clients potential clients come steal our influencer strategy, like insane things that experience. And it was funny because as you explain in certain things, the past seems so easy and everything coming just seems so easy, but you, you get used to a very high stress threshold that is just insane, you know? Yeah. So um, now I don't feel like that at all. I completely, dis I like help my clients, we consult and then I go and I live my life and I don't think about it all day. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. You live your life. That sounds really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So I'm going to put you on the spot for probably the last question. Um, what skill set do you think that you have that is attributed most to your success? I'd like to hear people's answer to this one because it makes them talk about um, themselves. I think my my biggest thing is uh, storytelling. So I, I, I really thrive on that. So it's like, and creative problem solving. So no matter what it is, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's it's uh, a management situation, whether it's creating a process or whether you're at a shoot and you need to find a solution. I think that's something I became very, very strong at coming up with solutions on the spot. And it's something I, I like that in challenging environment of having to solve problems all day long. Like I, I kind of that even if it could be high stress, but I think that's that's yeah. where I, I thrive. Yeah. There's a balance. Yeah. Maybe a little less stress, but still having that, that aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. The challenge. Cool. So I lied. One more question. Okay. Um, Sorry. I'm like in the, in the dark now. I'm losing. <laughs> You're good. I can see you. Yeah. Is it, is it getting dark there? Yeah. A little bit. Cool. Um, so yeah, this is a question I like to finish with. Um, if you had to get one tattoo on your body, I'm not sure. I'm, I yeah. think you, I think you, yeah. I think you have some. Um, but let's pretend you don't. Uh, oh, that's a saying. That's like a mantra of yours. Like one, uh, something you live by. What would that? And you might have it. I don't, I'm not sure. But what would that be? What? Well, it, it's funny because I have um, a tattoo that just says sports on the back of my leg, <laughs> and it's kind of a joke. Um, but but uh, that could be it. Yeah, but could I actually it. have another one here. Um, it just says trust, and it's a pretty it's a pretty recent one. And it's a, just a reminder. It's funny because it's like my writing hand. So it's like to trust the process. Mm -hmm. uh, but mostly one, one uh, sentence I've been repeating to myself a lot is um, trust that I am deserving of all the love and uh, abundance that, uh, no, sorry, th trust that I'm worthy of all the love and abundance that I deserve. And it's just go. something that I repeat for myself. And, uh, and I think it, it just keeps me going. And then the universe just keeps on giving. So it, it's funny, because all this career, everything that I've had, you know, 
no matter how big I can dream, so much has happened that I never even would have imagined would have happened. But when you trust that it's just things are just magically going to happen, not magically, but obviously through hard work and everything, you just find out that what life has to offer you is so much bigger than anything you could have anticipated if you just kind of let it go. Yeah. And accept it. You deserve yeah. it. I like that. Not much of a business uh, motto, but listen. Hey, it could, it could work for business too. Yeah. I like it. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for joining me. That was Thank you. really, really insightful. Um, like I said, I'm going to send you a box of favors, so you'll have to try Yay. them. Give you a variety pack. Um, but yeah, you're doing really cool things. I'm a fan um, of the content you're putting out there. Uh, I like, you know, you're putting yourself out there, which a lot of people don't do. So um, just want to say kudos to you for that and um, good luck uh, moving forward. Thank you. I mean, it's it's been ex exciting. Just this week, I put myself on the line by releasing my first uh, workshop and just hoping people would sign up. Um, yeah. So I'll plug it real quick, if you don't mind. It's on March please, 23rd. Please. March yeah. 23rd. Uh, level up your Instagram game, where I really want to make sure that I give a whole workshop where the purpose is to help people get in front of the right people, making sure they're creating the right type of content that Instagram wants to put forward and mm -hmm. that you're showing up in search engines, showing up with hashtags so that you're maximizing your content. You were talking about earlier what's most important. I mean, people often get bummed out because they feel like they're working so hard at creating content. It's not going anywhere. It just seems like a dead page. Mm -hmm. So I really want to make sure that I'm sharing all the tools and tricks that I have, whether it's with stories, reels, uh, the, the, the post themselves so that people can make sure that if they're creating content, at least it's being seen by as many people as possible and the right people. So it's March 23rd and uh, people want to find it. It's on my Instagram, Ariane Tonka. Here we go. Yeah. I meant to ask you about that. Thank you for sharing yeah, um, of all stuff we could use for sure. Thank you. And um, before I disappear into the darkness, before you disappear uh, into the darkness. Yeah, before thank you so I, much uh, for having me. Thanks for joining and uh, we'll talk soon. We'll be on the lookout yes, for, for more stuff coming. Thanks, everyone. See ya.